Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves here. It's an afternoon episode, Tim. Thank you for being here, Tim. I know I know you like recording in the morning because you're a morning guy, but I made him wait today. So thank you, Tim, for your, your patience with me. Well, it was a little bit of foresight, too. I'm thinking John was in Chicago. He probably got home at two in the morning, three in the morning. So you, I think you probably slept in till 11 noon, something like that. <laughs> Did you honestly think I have that luxury in my life to sleep till no, 11? But I bet you did have a slow morning. 4 a.m. I got home at 4 a.m. And I slept until 7. And that was it. Because Danielle left and I had to watch the kids. I had, to, I had five kids roaming the house. And I had to get up. You know what I was... I, I could have slept. They were eating breakfast. I was so nervous the little one was going to choke and die that I couldn't sleep. Because she was eating Cheerios and little checks and stuff. And I'm like, what if she starts choking and she dies and I'm up here sleeping? How bad would I feel for the rest of my life that I could have just been downstairs, but I wanted to get some sleep? That's what I, that's honestly what I was thinking about. Wow. Is that morbid? I think everybody thinks that stuff. Uh, I don't, but I don't have kids. So, yeah. I tell you what. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. Keep going. You had a what? You had a dream? I had a dream let's, the other get... night that Levi, my dog, died, and I got so upset in my sleep that it woke me up like a nightmare. Did you? Could you go back to sleep or no? No. Was, I woke up around 1 a.m. and I was up for about two or three hours. I don't think because Did of that. Did you just go and just, cuddle with him? I, no, no. I left him alone because he was sleeping too. But I was just up. My, yeah, I was wide awake. Did you go and make it's sure he was breathing? Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't even get out of bed. Really, went to the bathroom. But uh, with no my first few stuff, kids, but... with my first few kids, I would wake up in the middle of the night and go to their crib and like, are you breathing? Are you still alive? Because you do like <laughs> you, you don't know how to raise a mouth. kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I touched your chest. I'm like, are you? Is this moving? And I'm like, okay, you're breathing. Okay, I can go back to bed. For the first few weeks, because you're just so paranoid. I, I'm sure all parents do that, or it might just be me. I'm just very. I'm just worried the kids are going to die on my watch. I'm like, that's like, that'd be terrible. Absolutely terrible. Well, die in general, not on my watch. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as you're not in trouble, then. As long as I'm not culpable. But how bad would you feel if I was like, the the police show up? Where was, where were you? Oh, I was sleeping. I had a late night. (laughs) I need, I need to get my rest. I got a big show today. I got to prepare. It's just like. Rate the jail. So let me get this straight. You left a seven, a seven, a five, a three, and a one-year-old on their own in your house. Yeah, they can handle it. They're fine. And they kind of raise themselves at that age. But <laughs> yeah. Were you working on an oil rig? Uh no, on TV. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the easiest job whatsoever. Yeah, I got yeah. a big podcast today. I gotta prepare for. What a joke. But anyways, yeah, I was a little tired. It was a nice drive though, because you know why? The Chicago Blackhawks, Tim could be the biggest surprise to date in the NHL. I know the Vancouver Canucks are surprising people. They're a great story. LA's doing some good things out West as well. The Hawks came into this season with no expectations. They were last place in the league almost last year. They were fighting with San Jose and and Anaheim, who ended up um, becoming last place. But obviously, Chicago got the lottery there and gets Connor Bedard. But this year, I think they had the same ceiling. It was like, okay, we aren't going to compete. They're great. They are a great hockey team. They've had they the hardest schedule to start the season. They've played 12 games, and I think 10 of them 
are versus the Vegas Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins, the New Jersey Devils, and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. They've played the Bruins twice, the Knights twice. They've played the Devils. They've had such a hard schedule. And you look at the standings now, and they're almost 500. And when you're looking at this roster, Taylor Hall's been out for a little bit. They've struggled a little bit with their goaltending. Not much. They're actually, their goaltending has been strong. Let me let me backtrack. Those two guys have been solid all year long. Soderbloom had a rough game in Arizona. They, they've done fantastic this season. I just I, I am very, very impressed at how Luke Richardson and Corey Perry and Nick Felino and Taylor Hall have really taken this team and they're they're fun to watch. They dominated the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. And it was led by Connor Bedard, 18-year-old Dynamo, who every single team that he faces, their game plan is him. So he has to go out knowing that every guy in that team is going to be trying to shut him down. He gets four points last night, Tim. Effortless. It's 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 pretty special. Did you watch any of the game or catch the highlights of this kid? I caught the highlights, yeah. It was pretty special. We were just talking about that one pass he made where he's like the, the back of his toe in full speed to Felino, then drives to the net. Felino passes it back. He buries it. Another extra move to the backhand there. Just like we were saying, like I don't think another guy makes a move like that uh, except for Crosby in the last decade or two. Like he's just, he was that special. So yeah, it's pretty cool. How's, um, how's the he, TV stuff going? Are you getting good feedback? You know, it, it's, um, you sent me some stuff last night. I, it's, it's hard to tell because you're, you're in and out and you don't really hear much. The producers are pretty tight knit. They don't, they're not going to just shower you with praises, but apparently it's going well. I've only done three games, so it's not like I'm there all the time. I'm going to do a few more this month and then we'll see in December, but I don't know. People seem to enjoy it. It's fun. I get to go to Chicago every couple weeks and yeah, bringing the family down for Thanksgiving. We're going to, here's, if you live in Chicago, I want to do a Thanksgiving, but to go, because I don't want to go to a restaurant and my wife doesn't want to cook. So I said, if we go to Chicago, we'll just get it to go from a Thanksgiving restaurant. So I don't know where to go. Do you know, you know where to go, Tim? No, but I'm sure our listeners will send some ideas. But I don't want it to be crazy expensive like Chicago Cut, like the the nicest steakhouse in town. Because I have kids and they're not going to know they're eating a, you know, a a ten year age dry aged flank steak or ribeye skirt. Just give me something that's good. you know what I mean, Cracker Barrel. That's that's the level I'm at now. That's just just where I where I live. I'm not I'm not I'm not fancy anymore. You know who is fancy, Tim? Right now, give better because. You get the chance to win while you're gambling, which is fun. You placed a bet on the Hawks last night. They were coming in at like, I think, 600 to one. So you place a bet for $1, you win $600. I don't know if those were the exact odds, but most people probably would have bet on the Tampa Bay Lightning. They were the favorites. They're coming in on a high. Kucherov's right now leading the league in points. Hedman's the Norris Trophy, probably front runner at this point. And they lose. And you lose and you bet big because it's a tap-in versus a Hawks. Guess what? You might lose some of that money, but some of it's going to a good cost. 25% of your bet goes to a charity of your choice. That's the beautiful thing about Give Better. You can bet. You can have your fun. If you lose, 25% of it goes to charity. So even if, if you're on another platform, dump it. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Sign yourself up and you win, win, win. And then you do a quick little survey, even if you don't want to gamble. This is the cool thing about Give Better, what they're doing to you guys, our listeners. 
go take a couple questions survey and you have a chance to win two tickets to any game in the NHL at any point this season. Anywhere. You want to go to Arizona, check out that piece of garbage rink, you can go there. You want to go check out a good rink like in Minnesota or Colorado, go find a game. They'll buy you two tickets in the lower bowl for any rink, any date you want. All you have to do is go to givebetter.app slash DTG, take a very simple, quick survey, and you can win some tickets. We are vastly approaching the, the ticket date. It's November 27th, so get your survey done so you have a chance to win two tickets. Givebetter.app slash DTG. That's a good thing, Tim. That's a very good thing. What's not a good thing that's going on right now where there was a game last night that and it wasn't the, the Thursday night football game, the Bears versus the uh, Panthers, which was a team that was two and seven going up against a team that was one and seven. We had the equivalent of that in hockey last night with the Edmonton Oilers facing off against the San Jose Sharks, who are rightfully so riding a one game winning streak. How did this game go, Tim? This this seems like it would have been a tap-in for the Edmonton Oilers. Get back on the right track, maybe? Yeah, everyone was talking about this game ahead of time in, in the context of the Oilers. Like, okay, Thursday night, if they lose to the Sharks, things are really, really wrong. Like, that's sort of like the bottom-of-the-barrel, rock-bottom litmus test. And they lost. They lost. And so they fall to 2-9-1, and one, which is tied – with five points with the Sharks. They are now tied for 32nd place. That is that is a crazy thing because the Sharks were the worst team of all time for the first three weeks of the season. And so, you know, all the all the, the body language, the locker room pressers, everything is just, they're so down. The confidence is just in the the basement. Like, it's bad. And there's that little moment uh, we we talked about earlier. Woodcroft and his and his assistant coach are walking across the ice, and all the lip syncers are reading. Re, lip readers are saying, "He's like, well, I guess this is it." And the coach is like, "Yep." So they know they're out. <laughs> yeah. it might happen as soon as today. It's it's really unfortunate because when you look at this team, I, I don't think Todd or Jay Woodcroft is a problem. I, I think he's done everything he can with this roster. But Tim, they have <laughs> they've played third. 12 games, so they could have 24 points. They have five five points. Why? Can you <sighs> I I know I know the reason. I think everybody sees it, but how did we get here? This is a team that was fighting for a Stanley Cup berth last year and the year before. They were right in the mix. What is happening this year that is just not working? They just sent Jack Campbell down. We'll get to that in a second, but can you put your finger on the reason why this is happening? Well, obviously, it starts with the goaltending. That's been the issue for most of the year, pretty much every single game. They're allowing three or four goals a game every single night. And so that's the big one. And then you're you're seeing issues because of, of probably starting with the goaltending and some of the defense. You're just starting to lose game and the confidence drops. And as a result, the offense starts to struggle too. Everyone's just a little bit slower. Their, their shoulders are slooped. They're just not playing to their ability. And I tweeted this out yesterday, I think, or last night. If the Oilers had started 500, 500, people would have been panicking. People would have been frustrated. The fans would have been like, what's wrong with this team? Why aren't we where we're supposed to be? If they had won five, if they had been 500, they're two, nine, and one. Like, this is a disaster. This is, there's so much, they could have been so much better and still had a bad start to the season. You know what I mean? So I, I don't, everyone's looking for answers. A lot of people are looking at Woodcroft. He's going to be the, you know, the, the uh, scope, scapegoat for now. 
But there's also all kinds of trade talks swirling. Nothing official, more just people like, hey, this can't continue. Do you go out and trade somebody off this roster? Do you start unloading contracts? But you can't. Most of these contracts are long term, and they're and they're there's a lot of them, and they're pretty they're for a lot of money too. And you don't really want to give up Drysital. You know what I mean? You like can't. the second best player in the world. So what are you? Well, you're not going to give up him. They have no real good capital to trade. This is in. Uh, I look at the comments sometimes of my little you know shorts and this and that. And I, I did one about the Oilers about how they're a bad hockey team, and this was before the loss to the San Jose Sharks. And people respond like very, very clever. You you have a bad podcast and this and that, and you're a bad <laughs> hockey player. Yeah. It's it's very clever, and I, I enjoy it. They they're a bad hockey team, you guys, and there there's no way to dig themselves out of this hole. Who do you trade off this roster that will bring you anything in return that can help this team? You have good players like Ekholm was good last year. Bouchard looks terrible this year, Tim. He looks he looks really really bad. Yeah, he's putting up some points. He looks lost in the defensive zone. I, I don't know how, what you can do to make this team better. The goaltenders are atrocious. We talked about them before. Stuart Skinner is bad. They bring up Calvin Picard. He's not going to help anything. And I think the biggest problem now, they've been able to mask all of these issues for the last few years because Connor McDavid has been incredible. He has gone out game after game and won them games single-handedly where he's gotten four or five points. And that became the norm. For whatever reason, it's not happening this year. I know teams always key on him and they always game plan versus him and they always try to, you know, shadow his side and take away time and space and don't let him get, you know, going. He's got a point per game. He's got 10 points in 10 games. He hasn't done anything since he's returned from injury. So I I don't know if they rushed him back. I, I think there's a pretty good chance they did. They were panicking. He had to get to the outdoor game. He doesn't look like the Connor McDavid of last year. So if he's not going 100% to him and he's not carrying this team, no chance. Absolutely zero chance for this team to compete. Compound on top of that how bad the defense has played. Add on to that how bad the goaltending has been. Then you lump into the fact that their third and fourth lines are just awful. Like embarrassingly awful. They have no depth. It's to the point now where they're trying. They they took Nuge off the first two lines. They're trying desperately to find offense any way they can. They bring in Sam Gagne for Pete's sake. It's not going to. It's not going to work. It's very sweet. It's a nice gesture bringing Sam Gagne, who was good there fifteen years ago. But they're grasping at straws at this point. This team. There's no. There's no. There's no way out of this. And we'll talk about the Calgary Flames. Let's talk about the Flames now because they're very similar situations where the expectations are high, the results are low. I think it's worse in Edmonton just because they had some success the last few years, whereas Calgary struggled last year. They were hoping to bounce back this year, but it's not quite happening. But I feel like the Calgary Flames are in a much better situation than Edmonton Oilers are. When you look at the Calgary Flames roster, there's a lot of guys who are very enticing to opposing teams' GMs. They have a lot of very solid individual players who you could pluck from this lineup and get a lot in return for. Oilers don't have that. The Oilers have maybe two or three guys who I even want on my team. I take Ekholm, 
I take a Vander Kane as much as I hate his guts. I think he'd be fantastic in the playoffs. You're not getting McDavid or Giants idol, but other other than those guys, Tim, who who do you want as a GM when you look at this roster? You go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to take him, him, and him. Whereas you look at the Flames, you go, okay, I'll take Lindholm. Oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take Weger. I'll take Hannafin. I'll take Zadorov. I'll take Blake Coleman. Yeah, he sounds good. I'll take I'll take uh, Mangiapane. He'd he'd work well for me. There's so many guys that have value. Oilers have nothing. Absolutely nothing. So if I if I'm Craig Conroy, I'm in a much better situation than Ken Holland at this point. Do you think so? You think that's a good assessment? No, totally. Yeah, they have. I mean, not just the, the the players they have, but the contracts, the expiring contracts. There are so many great rental players who are gonna. A lot of them were gonna want you know pay raises in the summer, but they are make great short term deals. So yeah, I, I think you're totally right there. So Calgary just called up their. Stud goaltender from the AHL, Dustin Wolf. Last season, he led the AHL in wins and shutouts and goals against and save percentage. He was the Shesterkin for the AHL. The guy's a stud. They called him up. Frank Saravalli, friend of the show, sent out a pretty cagey tweet where he just did a little emoji with the eyebrows raised up. Like, oh, look at this one. Is there a trade on the horizon? Can we see? Uh, I, there's been whispers and hints of potentially Markstrom going, Zadorov going, another defenseman going. They held they halted all talks on all their guys for contract extensions. There's been whispers now for the last week, two weeks with Toronto, with Edmonton, with Calgary, with big teams. Can we expect a trade, Tim? Or is this just smoke and mirrors and everybody's getting getting all excited and nothing's gonna come of this? Well I hope so. I hope so but Me you- too. Yeah, Um, you're obviously not going to trade Dustin Wolf. He's 22 in the last year of his ELC. He's part of the future. But bringing him up, getting him some seasoning, does that take some of the pressure off of Markstrom? Does that relax him a little bit? Or is it more just like, hey, Markstrom's going to be gone. We we just want to prove that Wolf can handle an NHL load for the rest of the year if we start trading off our, our goalies, you know? I think they bring him up with the expectation they're going to lose a goalie. So they need to have two goalies on their roster. So this guy's coming up. Either Vladar or Markstrom is gone. So I I think there'll be a trade by the end of the day. It wouldn't surprise me if we load this podcast and a trade has just taken place. That That's what I'm hoping. I hope that it's Zadorov. I think he goes uh, – he needs to get out of that place. He tried to rile this team up and – just spur them, get some energy, get some life, and it just hasn't happened. Oh, Jonathan Huberto, what a train wreck. $10.5 million. Woof. All right, Tim, what else Look, are we talking about? Well, we, you have a good question here. What is it? Well, we, first of all, we skipped over it real quick, but Jack Campbell did go down to Bakersfield and, and it made his debut in the oh, NHL no. of this season. I, you probably wanted to skip over it. He let in oh. four goals on 20 shots. At one point in the night, it was three goals on 11 shots. So he settled down and stopped eight of the last nine or whatever. Um, not he good. had one, one goal, three. Tim. Yeah. Did you see that goal? The little roller, yeah. It's just – he. you can just tell he's not a confident goalie. I watched Peter Mrazek last night. He played fantastic. I've been watching him the whole season. When a goaltender is confident – they're at the top of their crease. They're playing big. They're aggressive. They just know that the puck's going to hit them. When they're not confident, they they hide in their net. They don't want to get caught out of position and made to look bad and foolish. And they just they, they tuck themselves in on the post and they do everything they can to try to look big. And it's just so easy to beat them. 
And that's what it looked like to me with Jack Campbell. He was just hiding, hugging his post when the puck was like almost at the hash marks where he should have been out in the corner of the crease being aggressive. There was no threat for a shot. And he just, he just looks like a shell of his former self. It's almost too bad to see a goalie let in a goal like that because you know, he's better. Like we've seen him play better hockey. It's something's, it's such a mental game. The goalies, it really is. It's too bad. He what? he was good at a point and now he stinks. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't even know how that one went in. Cause I watched it a couple of times and he doesn't know either. Like and he, he was there. He saw it, but it's what it's just like you said, it's the confidence thing. You know, if he's they feeling need Jordan better, Bennington, they, they need Jordan Bennington. Yeah. He's playing right um, this year. Bennington. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. Yeah. So the question we had was if some of these teams start to make some changes and bounce back, could it be like a serious threat to get back in the playoff rush? A couple of teams come to mind for me. I think one of them is the Pittsburgh Penguins who aren't far off right now. They've won three in a row. And we had a couple of tweets about Eric Carlson's terrible play on this weird little two-on-one thing. And he looked like a, a dummy and he didn't look good. But he also put up points and, and Penguins are winning right now. So um, they're back to 500. They're 6-6. Six and six, And so I feel like they're obviously a team that can string wins together and, and could be dangerous. And if it comes playoff time, no one wants to play them in the first round. That's not an easy out if you're the first or second seed. I don't think that's a team that's like they could probably beat anyone if, if things go their way. Um, the other team I would say is the Ottawa Senators. I still believe in that group. I still believe in that roster. They're 27th in the league. Um, they lost. They're four and six in their last 10. They're, they're still not clicking. I still think they could. Again, we talked about the tough Atlantic division. There's a whole lot of ground to make up there. But if it's looking at the pure roster, this is the group that I still believe could turn it around. Yeah, they're last place in the East. That's It really is a tough hill to climb. And they're almost 500, which is the amazing, amazing thing. They have a good win versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. I yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the Senators need to make any moves. I think they have everything they need in-house. Yeah, I, I'm not giving up on them just yet. I think the Red Wings are showing their true colors. They've been struggling of late. Their last six games, they've been playing really, really poorly. They had a good win versus the Bruins, but other than that, they've been very lackluster. Larkin and Jabrinkit. I think we're seeing who they really are. They <laughs> jumped out of the gate pretty fast. But I tell you what, the team that's not impressing me, and I, we'll touch on another show. We talk about them quite a bit. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hmm. I felt, I feel like they were reading the clips and the headlines this offseason. They had a great offseason. They bring in all the studs, everybody you can imagine. People take pay cuts. People take short-term deals with the expectation that you're going to come into Toronto and break the curse and win a Stanley Cup. Everybody's playing terrible. Like everybody's playing terrible. Klingberg's playing bad. Bertuzzi, Domi, the goaltenders stink. Ryan Reeves, the defense is atrocious. Everybody's playing bad in Toronto right now. And don't look now. If the playoffs started, they would be out of a playoff position. They're they're a bad. Oh, they might be second wild card. Let me correct myself. I know how people don't like it when I'm not accurate. But yes, they would be the second wild card position right now. But something needs to give. All these teams seem to be just floating they play one good game two bad games and they can't quite seem to find their game and toronto is one of those teams like who are we we went out and got all this grit we were going to change our culture we're not going to take any guff and then marshawn comes in and blows up that whole narrative (laughs) and embarrasses the whole team and now you start questioning did we do the right thing this offseason where you leaned into toughness leaned into grit 
were too easy to play against in the playoffs. Were we? Because we got the grit and now we're even worse. We're 500. We're a bad hockey team. So I don't know. There's a, there's a bunch of teams that could make a move. But my team is the Leafs. I think if they make a few moves, I do you move on from Bertuzzi that, that quick? You bring well, him in. It's obviously not working. Is he the guy you jettison? Is it Domi? Is it Reeves? Well, maybe. He's kind of the head scratcher because you look at all the additions they made and some of them make sense in a way. Like I can wrap my head around the fact that maybe Reeves just wasn't – is not an NHL player anymore. I can wrap my head around the fact that Domi's just not living up to expectations and he's just been – he's a name and he's he hit a strong rookie season and he hasn't quite panned out and is showing up again. I can wrap my head around the fact that Klingberg is an offensive specialist who's getting exposed in the D zone. We're hoping for great things from all these players and it's not working out. But the Bertuzzi one is really puzzling because he, he had a strong year last year in Detroit, looked great in Boston, was one of the only players who, who showed up in the playoffs for Boston. And more than that, he was he was excellent. And then you add him to a, a big market team, an even bigger market team, to play with like two of the best players in the world. And then and if not, that is Nylander and Tavares. You know what I mean? Like that one, and you would think his, his playing style would complement them so well. Because he's skilled, but he's big, and he creates space. And there's not a lot of guys that have that balance as well as he does when he's at his best. But he's not performing, and he doesn't seem to care. Like the laugh when what's his name when uh, broke his leg, and then yeah, and then even like when he gets asked about, it, he's like, yeah, no one's business. I'm not talking about that. Like just little things like that, man. Like you're 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 alienating your fan base from you because you can't when you're not playing well and you have a little bit of an attitude. It's like maybe he is the one that needs to go. Yeah, he's got four points. He's playing with primo primo guys, getting primo ice time. We I think he has to go. I think yeah. he does have a high value. He still is. He's on their second line. He got bumped down to the fourth They're line. They're giving him day. every opportunity. Well, for a cup of coffee, but he'll start on the second time, second line again with Tavares and Nylander like he has before. But yeah, I think you jettisoned him. I, I think you brought him in thinking that he were going to get the playoff per twos, and it's, it's just not working out. But I do, to answer your earlier question, they're the team that could bounce back if a change is made because they're playing really, really bad. You kind of mix the lineup a little bit. We, we know what we have in Toronto. It's a very good team. Do you get a defenseman? I don't know. Do you get a goalie? I don't know what the answer is. But you bring in somebody, change it up, and I think Toronto will be a strong team at the end of the day. It's, it's a very easy answer for me. Like that That's a safe answer. Toronto, they'll be there at the end, obviously. Yeah. All right, what else are we talking about, Tim? I want to read some YouTube comments because we've gotten so no. many lately and we're getting more every day because we're more active there. And some of them are great. You mentioned the one. I was going to so read active. this one. Uh, this is a bad podcast. <laughs> it's like, okay, thank you. Um, one of them was uh, kind of poking fun at you the other day for talking about Marshawn's hit and then maybe McAvoy's hit too. And you said it's all like these guys have no class. It's all about class and respect. And in the same show... This is from the man that takes face-high slap shots from the blue line in men's leagues and breaks people's limbs without even caring. Any, any response to that? Is a hand a limb? You're breaking bones. But uh, details are important. <laughs> okay. An, an arm uh, is a limb, right? Does it matter? Like a leg? The, the word limb doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I don't think it matches the, the respect in the class that you are that you hold so high. People show me respect. (laughs) I've earned that. We, uh, another one from Matt Ryan, which I hope, I think it's probably the quarterback that's, that makes the most sense. He's got a lot of Uh, free time. 
Yeah, I love the podcast. John Scott's a great interviewer, intelligent, doesn't hold back, and funny. Tim compliments Big John very nicely. Stick taps to you, too. I know you hate that term. John, it would have been fun not to see a, you here in Boston. Not a fan of stick taps. They wanted to see you in Boston. Um, there's a couple other really good ones. This is this is one um, for me. Tim is silent about the Rangers, who he picked to not make the playoffs. He must be very embarrassed at this point. His, his devils he loves are mediocre. He should man up and acknowledge the Rangers who are at the top of the league. David, uh, who, who said that? John just leaned all the way in. I love it. Uh, David, David Sands. Are you ready to eat some crow and say, yeah, I made a mistake and we're going to touch on Lafreniere in a little bit. David, talk to me in April. If they're, if they're, oh my if, if they are in April, then I will, may I call, but I'm not happening. A, a fast start after 12 games. Come on. Come on. Tim. They're playing fantastic hockey. They're, are they first place? They're right behind the Bruins. Two points behind the Bruins, and they have a game in hand. They're pretty they're, good. They're playing fantastic. Oh, they don't have a game in hand. They both play They 13. don't. They both have 13. You're right. But they're playing great hockey. I, I, I can't believe you. They're, that division could be out of reach for those teams by Thanksgiving. It really yeah. could. The way the Rangers are playing, they, if they get to the 23-24 game point and the Rangers are up by 10 points, you're not going to catch them. They're up by five right now. So if they do, they're playing fantastic. If they get out of reach like that, I won't wait till April. I'll do it sooner. But it's not happening yet. The last one right. is not a specific comment, but just in general, we got a lot of positive feedback about people really enjoying us being nice to each other on Wednesday and the over-the-top niceness. They really like that. So. John, you do. There was that, some pushback on it, though. Some people saying this is BS. John needs to just be true to himself. <laughs> yeah, we got both, both ends of the spectrum. So, I'm gonna have to balance it. You know what I mean? I can't just come guns blazing. People feel responsible for you for some reason. I think they can sense that you're weak, and they need to stick up for you. Uh, do you think that's what it is? Does that help you? Do you feel better now? Well, I'm I'm just uh, I like to study things. I analyze things. <laughs> I'm a thinker. You know, no I'm one's sticking up for me you. when you come at me. Yeah, I don't do it enough. I should do it more often. But not much no. to come at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm punched in the head too many times. <laughs> you good? You big dumb good? I tell you what, it is humbling when I see myself on camera. I'm just like, I'm not a handsome human. I oh, just John, like, you look nice. And this, in this, I got gray hair. I always angle my body just so it looks like I'm fat. I, I can't. I can't find the angles. You know what I mean. You're supposed to be like s- slightly off center, and I just can't do it. I'm always squared up, hips squared away, like right to the camera. How wide can I get? Let's let's try to maximize this. But you guys did a uh, pregame show at the bar I feel good today, today, right? Did you meet What's any that? fans? You guys did a pregame show at the bar. Did you meet anybody? No, no. Cool. Not n- nothing exciting. I apologize. <laughs> There's nothing to report there. It, it's all business. It's just like get in, get it done, and then we had to race back to the studio to to get ready for after the first period. We actually were driving back from Pat Boyle's wife was nice enough to drive us. We had to get out of the car because traffic was so bad and walk to the studio. Downtown Chicago, very, very scary. I was a little nervous. We I'm sure it, you were. Thankfully. 
Let's move on. Uh, let's get into I the quick hits. Our quick hits are brought to you by DoorDash. For quick delivery, check out DoorDash Nation 25, all caps, for 25% off your first order and free delivery only in Canada, coming soon to the United States. Suck on that one, USA. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the chatter right now is around Patrick Kane, who is skating. He's getting ready for the returning to the league, and everyone's wondering where he's going to play, where he's going to sign. And Chris Johnston of Insider Trading said the main four contenders for his, uh, I don't know, return are either the Sabres, that's his hometown team, the Rangers, which is the team that we know he got request he requested to be traded to last year, the Red Wings for the Debrinket connection, and the Panthers for his ties with Bill Zito. So I also saw that I want to say Friedman said he wonders if Carolina is in the mix, um, which is also be really cool and really exciting. Where do you think he goes? And I guess my other question is like, he, he's still up there. He's 33, 34. How much of an impact can he still make at this point in his career? Well, I think that depends on where he goes. I think if you go to a Sabres team, you will be asked to do too much. Whereas if you go to a Rangers team, you will be protected. They can play him on the third line, fourth line potential, not the fourth line, second or third line. And you're not going to be asked to be that guy to produce every single night. So if I'm Patrick Kane, I'm looking at all these options. Who can I play with? Where I'm going to make the biggest impact? Who's got the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? From these four teams, it has to be the New York Rangers, right? Like this is a no-brainer. He's not going to the Sabres unless he just wants to live at home. I didn't realize that Alex Dabrinkit and him were that close. Like why, why is it any different than playing with Panarin in New York. Does him and Dabrinkat have some kind of like blood pact where they have to play? To, I just don't know why this is such a big deal. But if I'm Kander, I'm going to the Rangers. There's there's no other option for me at this point. If those are the only four teams that are interested, maybe there's more, maybe there's not. But you go to the Rangers. Do, do you think another team has any chance, Tim, or it makes more sense than the Rangers? That probably makes the most sense, especially considering, like we said, this we know he wanted to go there last year. I think Carolina is an outside bet for that, and he would be great there too. And again, he wouldn't have to be the guy, um, especially not being a, a goal scorer, really. And I wouldn't say ever, but never not a goal first guy. He's always been a playmaker. And so I feel like going to there as well would also make sense, especially considering the, the depth of their roster and Svechnikov is back. And he might, same thing, he's second or third line guy. But the Rangers makes the most sense. And they're the team that um, you don't like he's not going to put up a point per game when he comes back, especially in the Rangers, where he's not going to be asked to do that thing. He might not even be in the first power play unit, but the team will be better for having him on it. So that's how I think about it. Yeah, I agree. Go to the Rangers. I, uh, yeah, it makes too much sense for him not to go to the Rangers. All right. What's next, Tim? You got this. Yeah, this piece of trash. Liam O'Brien on my agenda again. I don't know why his name keeps popping up. Well, I do know why. Because he's a gutless puke who keeps doing these things where he just jumps guys for no reason just to make himself feel tough. He did it again. Versus the aforementioned New York Rangers. He jumps Sammy Blaze. For those of you who don't know, Sammy Blaze, he knows how to handle himself. Let's just say that. From Quebec. He's been in four fights, Tim, in his career. It was the four. Blues, not the Rangers. Who cares? The Blues. Plays for the Blues. Liam O'Brien, for some reason, decides to chase this guy down and jump him. It's a one-goal game, I believe, at that point. And he can't even do that right. You can't even jump a guy correctly. He misses him. He drops his gloves. He's skating around like an idiot. 
trying to grab this guy. And then he grabs him. And this is when you're supposed to do your damage. And he just throws him to the ice. So he can't, he can't do anything right. I don't, I don't like him. He, he, people always used to say, you're an embarrassment. You embarrassed the league. What are you doing? How is this guy not an embarrassment to the league? To be honest, like he looks like a caveman. His hair is ugly. It's always greasy. And then he's jumping guys from behind twice in a row now. He does it to Nick Foligno. Then he gets his doors beaten off because he sucks at fighting. And then he jumps Sammy Blaze, who never fights. And Liam O'Brien can't even get a punch off. It's like, what do you, you can't do anything right. Like, you're just a complete waste of space. I don't, that's all I want to say. I, I don't want to get too fired up about it, but the guy is just a, an awful, awful player and a terrible human being. So I'll just – and is there anything else, Tim, we should touch on? Well, I just like that anytime he does anything, people we, – we're getting the tweets. It's, it's a thing for the show now. Like, I need to hear John talk about Liam O'Brien. And just that little clip of him, gloves off, eyes <sighs> wide and wild, just chasing this guy around who didn't do anything. Like, just, uh, it's, it's kind of pathetic. It's so un- – it's just what are we doing here? It's a one nothing game in 10 minutes into the first period. And he gets two minutes for cross-checking. Really? It's like, come on, you guys. Kick him out of the game. Give him two, five, and a ten, and a bunch of other... I don't know. There's no room for guys like him and uh, McAvoy. They're just dangerous players. They should not be allowed to play the game. McAvoy. Yeah, okay. Um, Well, his suspension was upheld. What happened to his suspension, Tim? Yeah, four games. And so... um, He tried to bring it down to three. He was held to four, and he kind of said, you know, we brought some comparables. I thought we had a good case, but... I respect the league, you know, whatever. So um, it was upheld. And the Bruins, though, keep winning without him. At some point, we're going to have to talk about this team. And I think maybe probably next week because it's a completely different roster and they're just as dominant as last year. Like, it's crazy what they're doing. And they're winning in different ways. The goaltending is is probably the number one reason. They have two top five goaltenders once again who are giving them a chance to win every single night. Um, but you're getting production up and down the lineup. Charlie Coyle had a hat trick last night. We'll spend some time with them because we barely talked about this team at all. But uh, yeah, Matt yeah, Moore I was, is, yeah, I was just thinking doing early predictions for Norris, this and that. My early prediction for Vesna is oddly enough Jeremy Swayman. I think he's playing lights out. He's six and zero, could be seven and zero. I don't know if he played last night. Leading the league in goals against, save percentage, like he's just playing fantastic, and he's their backup. My question is, and maybe we can, yeah, like you said, touch on this next week, but. Do they trade Olmark, knowing that Swayman is the goaltender of the future and the present? You have a luxury right now. You could get a solid centerman to really do a huge impact on that second line for the Bruins. Does, does that make sense? Let's let's save it. But I think there's a lot of possibilities for this roster just because Swayman is he's so good. I think ever since he was on our show, he really <laughs> locked in to what it means to be a goaltender. I, I'm very impressed by him. Yeah, and good for us for helping him in, on that journey. The last thing here is uh, Lafreniere, Lafreniere, whatever, is uh, just another guy that we kind of just keep tabs on a little bit because we've been pretty critical of him in the past. He had a three-point night last night, goal and two assists. He's up to nine points in 13 games. He's taking another solid step forward. Are you buying any kind of Kool-Aid yet? I am. I am. It's taking him a little bit. What is he, in year four, year five of his young? Is it four? I'm telling you, how long have I been saying this? If they can get one or two, one of the two of these guys, Capocacco and Lafreniere, to just show up and show some signs of skill, 
they're going to be a dangerous team. And he hasn't done it yet. He's only got nine points, 13 games. But if you can get him going, you have Zabinijad. Vincent Trocek has been a great pickup for the Rangers. You have Kreider, who's always there. He's going to score 40 every single year. Panarin, this team, Tim, is dangerous. They have a good third and fourth line with Heedle. You got Vesey. You got a lot of depth there. You got Blake Wheeler. You bring him in so he can kind of play all over the lineup. If Lafreniere can solidify those top two lines, this you bring in Kane, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup. Yeah, at some point I'm going to have to answer for this team and what I said, but not yet, not yet. Maybe next week, and that's where we'll talk to everybody now. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We hope you have a very, very fun weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.